heard on a number of occasions through the years, which I just think is one of her very best. And we've added into it some of the elements of this Easter training that we've been doing. And uh, I'm just so excited to hear this from her. I really am. I, I, uh, she always gets such great compliments on the message. But wait till you hear it this morning. All right. So she said, yeah, you're building me up. Yeah, I am because she's just really great. And uh, let's welcome my wife, our prophet, our teacher for this morning. Amen. Why, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so totally, totally embarrassed. Okay. <laughs> okay, now I've got to stop and think of what we're doing this morning. What am I talking about? <laughs> where, where do we start? Uh, let's pray for a second. Somebody else pray, would you? <laughs> who wants, who, who, you're going to pray? Shall I? Should I? Well, you, do you want somebody else to? I want somebody else to. Okay, yeah. But, um, Catherine, I just feel like the anointing's on you. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, we love you, Father, and we thank you that you've drawn us all here together this morning, and that there's something that you want to drop into our spirits as we even talk about very practical things, but it's something that it's going to reach to the bottom, to the depth of our spirit this morning, and change us and transform us from the inside out. I thank you that that's your desire. So we just bless Nina to speak the words that you have for us to hear this morning, and for those that are at home as well. Amen. Thank you, Catherine. She, she was definitely the right person. <laughs> well, we've been in a series uh, called Scent, and uh, as we're preparing for Easter, and, um, this, and it's been a very practical series. It's not just about sitting and hearing a sermon. We, the pastoral staff has decided, hey, look, we just need to be real right on Sunday mornings and, um, and talk about the things that are important to loving people, especially, now this is in regards especially to when they come on Sunday mornings. And um, then SIT, what do you call that? Acronym? Yeah. That is see every need transformed. So as we love on people and they have needs, we're going to see their needs transformed. But this is what this is all about. We're trying to define, we are defining, not trying to, the DNA of Genesis, our culture. We're talking about these weeks, the culture we want to have here at Genesis. These are the things we care about and want to give attention to, and we've been talking about it as far as at Easter, but I want to say, and we have said it, not just Easter, but every Sunday. This is a culture we want to have here at Genesis. And one of the things Jeff has brought out to us is that the context of the gospel is not moral behavior or holiness. Now, if you have known the Lord for a very long time, or if you've gone to church for a very long time, you probably have thought the gospel has a lot to do with our moral behavior and being holy, okay? But really, the context of the gospel is love and service. Everybody say love and service. Love and service. So if the gospel is about love and service, how about saying my life is about love and service? Let me hear that. That's right. Your life is about love and service. Therefore, hospitality, which is what we're talking about for when we gather on Sundays or any time anytime the church gathers, hospitality is everyone's job. You may or may not sign up 
to be a greeter at the door or an usher or be out in the parking lot or any, any of those jobs. You may not sign up for it. But that doesn't take away the fact that hospitality is everyone's job. Is everyone in here an everyone? Hello? All right, let me hear who are the everyone's are. I am. All right, thank you. <laughs> so the title of this morning's message, and this is part three, is Love Connects. Love Connects. And we're going to do some very practical stuff, but I want to talk about the why that hospitality is everyone's job first before we get to the practical stuff. You know, people are what God is all about, right? I mean, if you go throughout scripture, you can look at all sorts of things about people and how we're to treat people. It uses the word hospitable, uses the word kindness, uses the word service, helping one another. Um, the scripture talks about how the body, you know, my part of the body needs your part of the body and your part of the body needs her part of the body or his part of the body. We need each other. There is everything about scripture is about people working with people. Even in, in Genesis, when God created Adam, do you remember what he said? He said, it is not good for man to be. That's right. He said, it's not good. From the very beginning, it wasn't good for man to be alone. So you know what? He sent him out. After he said that, he sent him out to name the animals to see if he could find a companion appropriate for him. And for all of us who love our pets, like Jeff and I do, they are our kids. They are Lisa's sister and brother. <laughs> She told us when we, when we got Theo, she said, just, or maybe that was way back with uh, Sammy, just don't call him my brother. As that said, honey, it's too late. We already have. So, so even those of us who love, love, love our pets, according to Genesis chapter 2, you could not find, God could not find a companion compatible with man through the animals. He actually, you read it. So he said, it's not good that man should be alone. We need to find a companion compatible. And so he created another human being. And so we, it's not good that we're alone. Being together, connecting, communicating is part of having a vital and healthy life. So there's so many scriptures we could look at, but I want to focus on the number one scripture that motivates why we should be hospitable when people come here. We all know it. Let's read it out loud together. It's Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Would you read with me? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the greatest commandment. It's the only New Testament commandment. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this version, New Living Translation, says that the second one is equally important as the first one. In other words, God's number one priority is love. God's number one priority is love and loving people. And if it's his number one priority, don't you think maybe it should be our number one priority is loving people. And that's why we care about hospitality. You know, I know every one of you in here would agree, we are now God in the flesh in this world. You understand that? God is in us, and we now live his life out into this earth. Many of us have prayed the Lord's Prayer maybe hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times. 
And we prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, you know what? His kingdom has come. His kingdom is in you. And so you are God's kingdom. You're living it out. You're the one who makes his kingdom visible. So his kingdom has already come to earth. It's you. Say, it's me. And you make the kingdom visible. How? Through love and service. That's how you and I make the kingdom visible, is through love and service. So love has actions, doesn't it? We all know that too. And God went to a lot of trouble to let us know he loves us. First of all, he took the initiative. And I just want to see, did I put that up here? Yes. First of all, God took the initiative. So we know the scripture says that we love because he first loved us. God took the initiative to love us. Love has actions. Second of all, God showed up, didn't he? The scripture tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus was equal with God. He had a throne in heaven. He could have stayed there, but he chose to release all of that and humble himself and become a man, die on the cross for us. He showed up and got out of his comfort zone. He could have stayed comfortable right there in heaven. He never had to die on that cross if he chose not to, but he showed up. Number three, so... God communicates. That's what this book, or whichever version of your Bible you have, that's what this book is all about. It's communication. God gave us a, a, a plethora of words. Commu- play, you like that word? Plethora. plethora. Yes, plethora of words. They're right here, especially if you're reading the study Bible, the mirror study Bible. This is not even the entire New Testament, and none of the Old Testament is in this fat book. He gave us a plethora of words <laughs> through the mirror study Bible to tell us he loves us, to tell us what he's done for us, to tell us that he'd rather die than do without us, to tell us how important and invaluable we are, to tell us that he lives inside of us, to tell us that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. God communicates just how valuable, bleh, yes, how valuable. See, this is all about communication today. And so I'm going to have a few tripped up words <laughs> because it's all about communicating. Okay, so he's, he's given us all these words to communicate with us. You know, when I communicate with someone, when you communicate with me, when you take the time to communicate with me, it means I'm important. It means I'm valuable enough that you would take time to communicate with me. And God has bothered to communicate with us. God took the initiative, God showed up, and God has communicated with us to show us our value. And now it's our turn to have love in action. We need to take initiative with people. We need to show up. That means we need to get out of our comfort zones and show up and be where people are and love on them. We need to communicate. And by doing that, we show people that they're valuable. So that's the why that we care about hospitality and good communication skills. And so we're going to start getting practical now. I think I just have a whoop. And so, well, we already know this. Loving people is our number one priority. And I think I have a, that screen. So as we start getting practical, practical, about being hospitable and communicating 
especially on a Sunday morning church service such as Easter or every single Sunday, 52 weeks a year that you come here. The reality is that some of us are extroverts and some of us are introverts. Amen? Amen. And for some of us, it seems to come more intuitively how to communicate, how to connect, how to have a great conversation. Other people, not so much. But here's the deal. We're all relational. Every single one of us needs people in our lives, and we're all relational. And communication skills and social skills can be learned. And I think it's important to make the time to learn good communication skills and practice good communication skills. Why? Because people and loving people are our number one, is our number one priority. It's God's number one priority. It's our number one priority. You know, I think about the Queen of England and her family. I mean, you've ever watched them on the news? You know, you think about Princess Diana's sons who are now adults and you see how they live their lives or at least what's shown to us. Believe me, in every single family, if you have more than one child, would you attest to this, Marissa, that some are extroverts and some are introverts, right? In every single family, when you have more than one child, some are extroverts, some are introverts. But that doesn't mean they can't learn social skills. In the Queen's family, some of those children and some of those grandchildren are extroverts and some of them are introverts. But do you believe that every single one of them knows how to go up to somebody and say, hello, how do you do? It's so nice to meet you. Don't you believe that every single one of them has learned how to do that? Absolutely. It doesn't matter whether they're an introvert or an extrovert. Every single one of them have been taught good social skills. And so whether or not you've been taught social skills, whether or not you're an introvert or extrovert, you can learn social skills. And what's so important about that is that you do it not because it makes you feel comfortable, but because it's about the other person. It's about loving that other person. It's about showing that other person they're valuable and important and worthwhile enough to hold a conversation with and worthwhile enough to learn their name and get to know them. That's why we do it. So now we're going to look at some practical stuff. So you can uh, look up there as soon as Jeff puts it up there. And we're going to choose which one of these do you think is the best answer on this topic here. Okay, I've got to take a breath. When conversing with others, I usually do most of the talking. We're not talking about Nina. We're talking about any of us, okay? <laughs> I get to do most of the talking when I'm up here preaching. This is why I like to preach, okay? All right. When conversing with others, I usually let the other person do most of the talking. When conversing with others, I try to equalize my participation in the conversation. Which one do you think is the best answer? C? Did I hear C? <laughs> I hope so. Or three, not C. Yes, the now, and I, by the way, I got these first four ones that we're doing from a, an effective communication uh, skills training. Okay, so the best answer is number three. Conversation should be a balanced two-way flow of dialogue. Amen. Next one. Number one, when I first meet someone, I wait for the other person to make the introduction first. Number two, when I first meet someone, I introduce myself with a smile and offer a handshake. Number three, when I first meet someone, I hug the person. 
Which one do you think is the best answer? Somebody on this side of the room. Two. When I first meet someone, I introduce myself with a smile and a handshake. Yes. It's good to initiate. Everybody say initiate. Initiate. The introduction. And introduce yourself with a handshake and a smile. If shaking hands is difficult, like maybe they're holding a child in their diaper bag and, and they can't shake, a quick head nod is a good substitute. Initiating the introduction with a smile and handshake or head nod helps to build rapport. Okay, next point. I usually warm up new conversations with small talk. I usually avoid small talk and jump into more important matters. I usually avoid starting conversations. Which one do you think is the best answer? Someone right in here. One, Doug says one. All right, that's right. It's good to initiate conversations with small talk. Topics to warm up the conversation might include a chat about the weather. Like it sure is warm today, isn't it? <laughs> or did you get that hail the other day? I did. Okay, a compliment could be a compliment. Hey, I like your jacket, I like your hair, I like your name. Or maybe where they live. Do you live nearby? Are you from the Denver area? Or maybe their job. And when you ask about what they do, you don't only ask about what they do, but well, how did you get into that type of work? And what do you like about it? Do you like your job? Those are just one of many ways of having small talk, okay? But it's good to initiate conversations with small talk, okay? And our next one is, I make an effort, okay, here's, here's a big one, y'all. Here we go. I make an effort to remember and use people's names. Number two, I don't pay attention to names as I tend to forget them anyway. Number three, I only name, learn the names of the important people, like the pastor, you know. <laughs> Which one do you think is the, is the best one? What was that again? Not number one? Could it be number one? It's good to call people by name whenever possible. A person's name is, to that person, the sweetest sound they hear. Calling a person by name makes a good, lasting impression and makes the other person feel valued, important, and special. So I know for some of you it's hard to remember names, but there are methods to learning and working at. You work at. If it's hard for you, you work at it. I work at it. It's easier for me, but I also work at it. Sometimes I come back after I've met someone, I'll get my phone and I'll put their name in that. For me, it's, I, see, I see letters and numbers, so that's how I do it. And I write down their name and different things about them. Some of you, you need a visual aid. And I'm gonna hand out a sheet at the end of service on some ways to help you remember names. And you have to work at it and you have to use it. One of the biggest things is when I first meet someone, Hi, my name is Nina. What's yours? Hannah. Hi, Hannah. It's so nice to meet you. You repeat the name. That's the very first thing you do to help remember the name is you repeat the name. All right. Now, we're going to talk a little bit from a... We're going to do some multiple choice, but it's going to look a little different, and now's when I need my board. And before you turn it around, let me start with this, Jeff. Just pull it over, and then we'll turn it around or turn it over. We're going to talk a little bit about listening. And there's this wonderful, wonderful quote that is one of my favorites in life. And it's not on that board. It's going to be right up here. So watch this for now. Being heard 
is so close to being loved that to the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. You know what I'm talking about? When people are not acting like they hear you, it's kind of like, what the heck? Why bother? Right? But when they're hearing you and they're interested in you, you feel valuable. You feel important. You feel loved. So in other words, listening to someone and hearing them is loving them. So it's so important to learn how to listen to people. All right, so here are some things here on this board. And I'm going to ask you to tell me which ones, if, if, if you were talking, let's say you're telling somebody a story about your week, okay? And somebody is listening to you, which ones of these things would make you feel like they're really hearing you? Number one, they look in your eyes. Would that help you to feel like they're really hearing you? All right. All right. Number two, now that you're telling your story, if they smile or make agreeable facial expressions as appropriate, would that help make it feel like they're listening to you? You're shaking your head? Yes? Yep, yep, okay. I agree. Number three, they look away, perhaps over your shoulder. Does that make it feel like they're listening to you? I see a bunch of no's. All right. We don't want that one. Okay, number four, they interrupt you. Does that make it feel like they're listening to you? Yes, no, not so much, all right. Number five, they start talking about themselves and take over the conversation. Does that make it feel like they're listening to you? How many times have we done that? All right, number six, they nod their head. Does that make it feel like they're listening to you? Yes, I got a yes on that. Number seven, they acknowledge what you're saying with small responses like, uh-huh, yes, really? Does that make it feel like they're listening to you? Yeah. Uh-huh. Who said uh-huh? Good job. Good job. You're listening to me. Way to go, sister. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they ask you questions about your topic and show interest in the topic you're discussing. Does that make it feel like they're listening to you? I'd say they really are listening to you if they do that. So, folks, these are the things we do. Remember, love is demonstrated through listening. People, when they feel like they are heard, when you feel like you are heard, you feel loved. So we want people to, we want to hear people. We, want, we don't want to be so anxious to say the next thing, or i got to tell you my story, or all of that. What we want to do is listen to them. So we look in their eyes and we listen to them. We smile, we, we participate in their conversation by smiling and making, you know, whatever the facial like, oh, really? It could be that kind of, but you're agreeing, you're empathizing, you're connecting with what they're saying. You nod your head from time to time, as appropriate. You acknowledge what they're saying. And then you ask questions. Everybody say, ask questions. This is so, and this isn't even in my notes. This is so crucial to how to have a conversation is you ask questions because you're interested in them. Not about people, you've heard this said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I don't care how much. So I know all these things about Jesus, but so what if I don't care about you? 
So I'm going to care. I, I do. So, and this needs to be genuine. We're going to see this. I'm going to have this in my notes about genuine interest. This isn't made up. If you don't have a genuine interest in people, ask God. Talk to God about having genuine interest. Because he genuinely is interested in every single human being. And if he is, why aren't we? So we need to find that out. We need to investigate that and help him heal our hearts if we're not interested in people. Okay, because there's something going on on the inside of us. So help, ask God to help you and heal your heart so that that genuine interest can come out. But then when that genuine interest comes out, you've got to listen to them and not do all the talking. Unless you're preaching, of course, then you can do all the talking. All right. Now, we're going to get down to something that's really nitty-gritty, and I have a handout for you. And... Um, I think let's go ahead and hand out the pencils as well. So if somebody could help Tim there to hand out some. And, and when you hand out the paper, I'd like you to hand it out face down, ushers and helpers. So don't turn over the papers till they get to you. Don't turn over the papers when they get to you until I say so, okay? So keep them face down, please. No. Yes, I am actually. Okay, I'm going to use it. Okay. Do you need help? Yeah, Casey's going to help you. Okay, now I'm breathing into this. So keep it face down, please. Take a pencil. Or if you have a pen of your own or a pencil of your own, you can pull it out. You need more help? Have we not gotten to this side of the room? Did everybody over there already get one? Yep, great. Okay, everybody have one? Nope. Okay, we need one right here with Gene, Tim, this way. And Lisa needs one in the back. Anybody else need one? Okay, we're going to get down into some nitty-gritty stuff about loving people and being hospitable, especially here at Genesis with this next list of things we're going to look at, okay? I'm just warning you. Um, we're going to look at a list, and we're going to check off the ones that you think would be the way a Genesis person would act if they're being hospitable at Genesis and if they're wanting to help create a warm, welcoming, and caring place to come to. All right? So we're going to do it all together to save a little time. So turn your sheets over. GP means Genesis person. So I want you with your pencil on number one. So remember, you're checking the ones that are a way a person would act if they're being hospitable and creating a warm, welcoming, and caring place to be. So the Genesis person holds doors for people. Would that be one you check off? Yes. All right, let's check it off. The Genesis person watches for people they've not yet met and reaches out to connect with them. Would you check that off? Does that mean they're being hospitable and helping to create a warm, welcoming, caring place? 
The Genesis person visits only with people they already know and with whom they're comfortable. Would you check that one off? No, I don't think so. Number four, the Genesis person smiles and initiates conversations and connections. Would that help create a warm, welcoming place? Okay. Number five, the Genesis person pays attention to their cell phone, perhaps texting on social media, reading, sending emails, playing games, before or during or after service. Does that create a warm and welcoming atmosphere? Does that show hospitality? You know, cell phones are a blessing and a curse. <laughs> Smartphones. And I have mine right here, and I brought it up here because I wanted to look at the time. And I use it as my Bible. I can look up, when we're having sermons in here, I can look up scriptures from every version of the English Bible. I can look up Greek and Hebrew. I can take notes. I have a place to take notes. And I use my phone for that during church. And so... You know, it's not like we can know why everybody's using their phone. But I tell you what, phones are, if they get in the way of being hospitable, you know the end of the sentence. Okay. <laughs> so number six, the Genesis person cares about things looking and feeling comfortable and inviting and picks up trash or cleans off a chair rather than thinking it's someone else's job. Would that be part of being hospitable? And creating a warm and welcoming, caring place? Hello? Anybody? Yes. I think so. Okay. Number seven, the Genesis person looks past people on their way down the hall. How is that for being hospitable? I guess we won't check that one off. The Genesis person helps folks who have too many things or children to carry. Would that be hospitable? Would that be warm and welcoming and caring? Oh, I like this next one. The Genesis person is grouchy or mumbles. <laughs> All right, we'll move on from that. Number 10, the Genesis person helps people find where they need to go, going with them to show them and engaging in conversation with them along the way. Do you think that's hospitable? Creates a warm and welcoming atmosphere? Number 11, the Genesis person gets to Sunday service early so he or she can fellowship and be part of a warm, welcoming atmosphere, especially for guests who have never been here. Do you think that's hospitable? Do you think that helps with creating the warm welcoming? Well, that's in that sentence, actually. Number 12, <laughs> you're going to love this. The Genesis person hasn't bathed in a while and has body odor, looks unkempt, and may have bad breath. How welcoming and warm is that? All right, number 13, the Genesis person is enthusiastic about worshiping God and being in the church service and is in the sanctuary at 10 a.m., helping to fill up the room with a tangible excitement about what God will do this morning in our midst. You think that's an important thing to being hospitable and creating a warm, welcome, and caring atmosphere because people and loving people is our number one priority. Amen. All right. We're going to have just, we have a little bit more. This is really a two-week thing, dear. <laughs> okay. So our whole goal is to take a genuine interest in the other person. We mentioned that just a minute ago. So the practical things we're going to talk about now help to build rapport and help people feel comfortable. And you can put your sheets away. And at some point today, if you'll drop your pencil off back at that back table, these are my bingo pencils. 
See, all the bingo people know how important our bingo pencils are. They have to be sharpened every week, but I don't want you to pick them up now. I just want them people to drop them off if you want. I can buy more pencils for bingo, okay? If you want to take it home and you need it, no problem. Okay, so here are the things we're going to talk about here. We're going to get real practical. So, you're going to initiate, here are things you want to do to show hospitality. Initiate an introduction. Smile, everybody smile. Smile. Hello, let me see smiles. I'm seeing, I'm not seeing smiles. I'm seeing faces down. Smiles, smiles, smile. Thank you, smiles. And then you're going to introduce yourself. You're going to reach out your hand and shake their hand. You're going to listen to their name and repeat it back to them. Hi, my name is, I was going to say Catherine. My name is Nina. Hi, Nina. What's your name? Catherine. Catherine, it's so very nice to meet you. Just like that. Now, let me talk to you about shaking hands. We're going to even learn how to shake a hand. How many of you know that you either get, if you get that dead fish hand or that death grip hand? It's a little not so great, right? So here's how to shake a hand. We're very practical. You, the inside of your curve there to the other person's inside of their curve is where you want to reach to, man or woman. Whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, whether you're shaking a man's hand or a woman's hand, you go to the inside curve of their thumb. That you used to be with women. You have to let go, though. See, that's part of the problem. Bob, let go. <laughs> it used to, be, used to be that women did this little thing like this, or men, it was supposed to be polite to do it this way, but not anymore. We're not in a world anymore to do that. We are equals. So you shake th inside thumb to inside thumb. Okay, now... What you just did was the death grip. So <laughs> you don't hold on forever like he was doing. So when, when you shake, you do a little shake and let go, okay? You don't hold, you don't hold on forever. And like you're capt they're captured. You are not going anywhere. I've got you. Whether you like it or not, you are staying right here. Okay. <laughs> All right. So it's a grab the hand, a little shake, and let go. All right. We're going to practice it. So if I get somebody next to you, preferably not your spouse, all right? Mom, get up and go find somebody and practice shaking hands in, inside to inside there. Randy, practice shaking hands. Shake hands with somebody. Because we love people, because people are our number one priority. All right, now this time I want you to find some, I want you to... Let me see here. All right, now here's, I'm going to have you do something similar again. Now, I think you were all laughing and having a good time, but we want to be enthusiastic. Do you know that the very word enthusiasm means in God, in Theo? It's in God, God in you, God possessing you. Enthusiasm shows God-likeness. People are attracted to enthusiasm, so I don't want to go like, well, hi, good morning, it's nice to meet you. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so we want to be enthusiastic. And a real easy, I thought this was a really good, I didn't make this up, I read this, a real great way to help you is to act as if you're meeting a good friend. So for those of you who are maybe a little intimidated or a little nervous about meeting somebody new, well, inside say, it's just like I'm meeting a good, old, good friend I've seen before. Gene, it's so good to see you. Now, I have met you before, and we do bingo together, so we're really great. But, <laughs> okay, Brian, I don't know you so well. So, hi, Brian. Hi, I'm Nina. And you're... Brian, it's so nice to meet you. And so then we're going to go from there, but not yet. Okay, so I want you now this time to stand up 
and go across to the other side of the room. You may know everybody here. You may not. Try to find somebody you don't know. Granted, somebody else might get to that person before you. Go find somebody. Act as if you're meeting a good friend. Introduce yourself. Shake their hand. Let's go. Stand up. Go across the room. I know she's been a stinker all morning. I could put. I don't know. Good job. It's nice to meet you. I'm Nina. Hi. Hi. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you. Yeah. I really enjoyed myself. Oh, God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> okay. Turn it around. Yeah, I got to write on it. <clears throat> They're not going to be able to see it there either because it's going to be in the way. Okay. Oh, I'm going to still need that though. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, I'm almost done, but all right. I'm going to go up and down until we figure this out. How'd it go? Did they smile at you? Did they grab your hand nicely and let go nicely? Of course, if you knew somebody, you might have held on to it. Well, I mean, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty infamous for, for, hi, Sheena. It's so good to see you today because I know her. And so I'm going to hold on to her hand because I love her. <laughs> so I'm pretty infamous for that, I have to admit. Actually, I'd probably hug her since I know her. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit more about some practical things. Well, I think I'll go up the steps. Okay. Thank you. I think, no, yeah, I know, but I'm just a little nervous about taking that big step. Okay, for me, that's a big step. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about making small talk, because that's what comes after you make the introduction. But before we do, I want to talk to you just a little bit about, and some of you have seen this before, <laughs> a little bit about the whole concept of talking. Remember, we talked about it's important to listen. So let's say we have kind of a talk continuum and over here is a 10 and over here is a one and you know in the middle you got your five and over here are the people who never talk they're very quiet and over here are the people you can't shut up <laughs> People who talk and talk and talk a lot, all right? Now, let me just ask you, and, and I might need some help because with my own hearing, it's a whole communication thing today, I'll tell you. But tell me, if, have you ever been around people who just 
don't talk, they won't carry on a conversation. How does it make you feel? Really loud, I, I'm gonna have to, I won't be able to hear you. Awkward. Awkward, what else? Self-conscious. Self-conscious, because they're not, because they're not talking, right? What else? Like maybe they don't care. Why aren't they talking? Do they not care about this? Don't care about me? Anybody else? (laughs) Only my husband. (laughs) Anything else? You need to get. Maybe you need to get to know them. But what if they don't talk to you? Uh, But that's a good point. Still a good point. All right. Well, let's see. When you're around people who are non-stop talkers. Well, I like that. Non-stop talkers. How does that make you feel? Shut them off. What was that? Shut them off? You want to shut them up? Shut them up. <laughs> okay, well, how else does it make you feel? Tell me what you, tell me what you just said, because I can't hear Put them with the non-talkers. <laughs> How does it make you feel being around somebody who's non-stop? Annoyed. Annoyed. And what else? Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Unimportant. What was it? Unimportant. Unimportant. So you know what I think for all, both ends of the spectrum, whether it's people who never talk or people who talk a lot, I want to avoid them. Don't you? I think that's what it all boils down to. When you've got a person who never talks, who can't carry on a conversation, and people who talk a lot and won't be quiet and and won't have a two-way conversation, basically, the next time I see them, I want to avoid them. Don't you? I I tell you, you know, we're in the church business, we're in the people business, been in this business for 40 years, if you want to call it a business. I love people. I love to have, I take interest in people, I enjoy people, but honestly, I have had people who have walked in and who just, and you know they're in need, and whatever their reasons are, but it's hard to be around them when time after time after time you can't get them to carry on a conversation, or when you're around the people who would talk to you for, I mean, haven't you had, have you had people talk to you for two hours straight? I have. And you think that doesn't, it, it shouldn't happen, it should not happen. So, You don't want this or this to be you. If you're going to be hospitable and loving and caring, you don't want either end of the spectrum to be you. And now I'm going to really hit this hard and tell you the truth about this. Both of these people are self-absorbed. The people who don't talk are self-absorbed with their fears and intimidations. The people who talk too much, they might actually be intimidated. It could be why they talk a lot. Some people talk a lot because of their own fears and intimidations, or they just might be self-interested. The point is, the way, the bottom line, you might need some help, you might need some lessons, you might need some classes, you might need to read some books, and you definitely are going to need to practice if either one of these are you. It's going to take time. But the bottom line is, the way to get out of that is to care more about the other person. I can learn, if I care enough about you and I'm not a talker, I can learn, I can practice, I can read books, I can figure out, find out how to hold a conversation that shows interest in you in spite of my fears. If I'm a person who talks too much, 
I can learn how to be a listener and how to not talk all the time. I can practice. I, I have practiced for 30 years, 40 years, as long when Je- for, for any of you, none of you knew us when we were first married, he never talked. I was this person. Couldn't stop talking. That was us. We were at the opposite ends of the spectrum. And we've both been learning and practicing and working at coming more into here somewhere where it's a, where it's a joint. Okay, I think I can come down if you'll help me. A joint, uh, a joint conversation, a two-way dialogue. Thank you. Thank you, dear. So this is where we want to go with this. I left my paper up there, though, dear. Would you grab that for me? So <laughs> we're, we're putting, making him work today. Can I get you a, a wine? Uh, uh, <laughs> I'll run get you a soda. Yeah, <laughs> but wait till after the message. Okay, <laughs> I want you to hear the rest, just in case you need any of this. Okay, <laughs> so making small talk. We're going to move now to making small talk. And here are some... Here's some things that are important, and now I'm way over here if the camera's following me. Okay, so when you're doing that here at Genesis, you want to meet the entire family, including the children. And I want to make a point about this. I take exception to something that was said in last week's video training. And I don't know if this gentleman just wasn't thinking, wasn't saying everything he needed to say, and just quickly made his point. But he said the reason to greet people's children is it makes the parents happy. And I, and I beg to differ. That is not why I greet children. I greet children because they're people. And God's number one priority is people. And children of every age, including infants, are people. So I learn the name and carry on a conversation as much as I can with children because they're people, not because it's going to make their parents feel good, okay? So you're going to meet the entire family. To make, and so you're going to make small talk. Here are some things you could do. You could compliment them about something. I often love somebody's name. So, man, I love that name. Do you know what it means? Something like that. You might compliment what they're wearing, their hair, whatever, if that's appropriate, if there's something you feel genuinely that you want to compliment them about. If you're not sure they're new here. Now, I know we're a smaller church, but sometimes you just don't know. You don't know if somebody's new here or been here. So you don't have to say, oh, are you new here? And they go, "Uh, no, I've been coming here for a year. (laughs) How embarrassing, right? So instead, you can say, how long have you been coming here? So if you've never met them before, that's okay. You can say, how long have you been coming here? All right, that'll get you past that embarrassment of maybe they're not new. Maybe they've been here a long time. You just haven't met them. Next thing you could say are, these are all just possibilities. How did you happen to come here this morning? How did you find out about us? Do you live nearby? Are you from the Denver area? You know, and you know, this question, it could be like, well, no, actually, I mean, we have a gentleman here today from India. You could possibly talk to this gentleman about India. By the way, I've been to India. Not only have I been in IT, but I've been to India. So we could have things we could talk about. <laughs> and so, you know, you might be able to, to bring up some conversation, from, further conversation from that. Do you work outside your home? Now, you know, the reason I word it this way, and it's probably true for men and women now, 10, 15 years ago, this is what was the better way to ask a woman. You don't ask a woman, do you work? Even if women are homemakers, they work. Okay? So, amen. So you say, if what you want to know is, do you have a job outside your home? You ask, do you work outside your home? So you might not ask it that way. You can decide, get a feel for whether, who you're going to ask it this way of. What do you do? 
What, how did you get started in that field? What do you like about it? Do you like it? I mean, half the time they're going, well, you know, really, I'm looking for a new job. I, I'm kind of tired of this job. Oh, really? What are you going to look for? You know, it, these things lead to other questions. So here's some other tips. You know, I know, again, some of this, it seems like it should be intuitive, but it's not necessarily intuitive to everybody. Be polite. Use please and we're appropriate. Thank you, we're appropriate. You're welcome. Or I've enjoyed talking with you. It's been nice to meet you. Okay? Now, here's a big one. Stay away from, when you're first meeting someone, until you become friends, stay away from negative conversation. We don't want to leave people with negativity. Oh, man, did you hear about it? It's so terrible. You know, the biggest thing right now, they've always said stay away from politics, but it's more important than ever to stay away from politics in America when you're making small talk and first meeting someone. It just, people are, are so divided right now on that. We don't need to introduce ourselves with politics. Okay, so we, we're going to find positive things to talk about. And there are things that interest them. You're looking for things that interest them. Talk about things that leave the person feeling positive and feeling good. It's more important how you've left them with how they feel than even knowing all the right things to say. Because really we're all about, we, we humans, we're far more about feeling than we even, even realize. Hey, if you know how to tell jokes, that's good too. Get somebody laughing. I'm not that good with that, but uh, that, that's a good way to leave people. These are the kinds of things we want to do here at Genesis. This, this is what we want our DNA to be like. For every person who calls Genesis their home, you are Genesis. This building is not Genesis. You are Genesis. And we want our DNA and our culture to be hospitable, warm, and welcoming. And the only way that's going to happen, it's not going to happen because somebody signed up to do it at the door. It's going to happen because we're all participating in making our first priority to be loving people. And listen, one last thing. I know some of us have off days, and we just can't even, we just need somebody to love on us. Got it. We, we have days where, you know, it's just not working for us. That's okay. But can we agree together that for the majority of the time, as much as possible, these are the people we want to be loving, caring, hospitable. We want to try to remember names. We want to shake hands, greet people. So I have a couple of handouts for you as we wrap out. One is this yellow sheet. And you know what, honey? And then what have you did with the invitations? Yeah, and, we're going to, and we have invitations to Easter for you to share. So I want to remind you about that. Go meet somebody somewhere, wherever you are. Hand them an invite. Say, hey, you know Easter's coming up. We have, a, we have a great church. Come on and visit with us. That's all you have to say, something small. What we're handing out is waiting.